guys? Man, it's good to be here with you guys. Well, I appreciate Tom's warm words right there. And I messed it up. Check it out. I just messed this up already. Good. Man, it's great to be here with you guys. You guys got beautiful weather on down here. I just came from blizzard weather up in the north. You know, my wife Alexandra and I, we, we lead the campus ministry in Boston. And so we work in downtown Boston. And uh, I didn't go to Harvard, but I work at Harvard. And we lead Bible discussions there. And uh, we, have a, we have a campus ministry, about 100 college students in downtown Boston that we work with. And uh, you know, it's awesome in just a couple weeks, Disciples just like you from the whole Northeast, from all of New England, we're going to be getting together. Like over 300 college students just like you guys. In just a few weeks, we're going to be having a retreat just like this, worshiping God together. But it's special for me to be down here with you guys because to me, there's, there's really, when it comes to campus ministry, there's really nothing like the Southeast. I really believe that, you know. My wife, I met her in Georgia. She went to UTA. So we don't really have big college football up in Boston. It's not really that type of thing. Though Matt Ryan went to Boston College. You guys probably didn't even know that right there. You know, we're in Boston, we're more, we're more about professional teams like the New England Patriots, you know? sports teams, some of the, the college sports teams, they're even more popular, just what people think of, of the campuses down here, it's a huge deal, and so it's inspiring for me to be here, to, to be with all you guys, and, and just preach the word, and look at God's word this weekend, and um, you know, it's great, it's great to be with you guys, but like I said, I met Alexander in Georgia, and I have a little bit of a, a little bit of a complicated relationship with the South, you know, I'm from Boston, I'm a Boston boy, and we're a little bit different you know, up in the north. I remember, I remember being down in Marietta or Atlanta, somewhere in Atlanta, and I went to a gas station, and I was pumping gas in my car, and this guy comes up to me, and he starts talking to me, and he's like, hey man, you got this tool for your truck or something? And I was like, no, nah, man, I, sorry, I don't have any tools. And he started telling me his story about his day, and he was like, yeah, you know, this thing happened in my car, and, and I'm like, okay, and he keeps telling me, and I'm like, you know, I'm about to be like, dude, can I help you with something, man? <laughs> like, what do you really want, you know? And, and then he went, all right, well, hey, man, thanks. You, you have a great day, man. I was like, oh, he's just a nice guy, you know? That's just the way it is down here. And that's just, you know, I remember Alexander and I, her, her sister lives in Wilmington, North Carolina. And so we, every, a couple times a year we go through there and we were on a prayer walk, walking around the neighborhood. And every time a car passed us, they slowed down. And they started looking at me. I was like, what are they, what are they looking at exactly, you know? And they, they roll up, and, they, and we have this awkward interaction. They're looking like, do I know them? Am I supposed to know them? And they wave at me, and we don't know each other. And then they just drive on by, and it kept happening. And I eventually was like, Alexander, what is wrong with these people? 
Why are they all looking at me? Why are they talking? We said, babe, that's just friendly people down here in the south. So, can you guys hear the word God preached minus a little bit of southern charm? I know I might have all the southern charm, but can we get in the word of God tonight? Let's go to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to start off. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty cool theme you guys have this week, this weekend. In his steps. You guys are talking about following Jesus. You know, the title of my sermon for you guys tonight is Standing at the Crossroads. Let's kick it off here in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read the theme scripture for this weekend. Start down at verse 21. This scripture about the cross. And it says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You know, the cross, the crucifixion, in many ways, it was a crossroads. The cross was a crossroads. For everybody who was there at the cross, they had some kind of reaction. Whether it was the apostles, they had a reaction. Whether it was Pilate or the Pharisees, everybody who was there had some kind of reaction. They went one way or the other. Everybody had a different response. You know, today, we see many responses today. When you look at Christian America, things look very different when you scan around. You know, you got the... You got the rock show churches out there. We got the old lady churches out there. Even today, you, you have the anti-church churches out there. You know what I'm talking about. We got the, the white churches and the black churches and the Asian churches. We see it all. But are those things the right responses to the cross? Are they what God is looking for? God says in this scripture... That Jesus died so that each one of us would actually follow in his steps. And as you sit here tonight, can you honestly say that that is who you are? That that's the kind of man or the kind of woman that you are? And you know the answer to that question as you're sitting there right now. Whether you're someone who's really following in Jesus' footsteps. You also get a verse here in Jeremiah 6. It says, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. You see, we're at a crossroads here tonight. God has brought you here this weekend. I don't know the whole story of how you got here. I don't know all of what it is that brought you here tonight. But God has you here this weekend, and you're at a crossroads. Will you follow in his steps, or will you keep going your own way? That's the thing you've got to figure out. It's going to be powerful. We're going to be studying out the book of 1 Peter this weekend. That's mainly what we're going to be looking from this weekend. It's going to be cool. 
to look at what Peter says. You know, he challenges us in this passage. He challenges us to, to walk in Jesus' steps. But the truth is, this is not always where Peter was at. It's not. You know, before Jesus went to the cross, Peter told him, Lord, even if everybody deserts you, even if all turn away, I will never leave you, even if I have to die with you. That's what he says. And then Jesus gets arrested, and things change a lot. And Peter is at a crossroads. That's what we're going to be talking about this weekend. And it truly is great to be with you guys. I love, I love so many of the campus ministers here. You know, seeing Joseph Porter down here. He was, he was up in the campus ministry with Tom and I at Harvard. And, and, and you know, seeing Perry and, and all the guys, Jordan, everybody. And, you know, Tom and Courtney, they're some of my biggest heroes in the world. You know, Tom, I, I remember meeting Courtney when she was like 16 years old. She came up to Boston to visit Tom. And she was about the same size now as she was back then. You know, she was a little teeny girl. And, but man, that girl's always inspired me. And it's great to be with you guys, but what we're going to look at tonight, and what we're going to study out this weekend, we're going to look at the life of Peter. We're going to look at the book of First Peter, we're going to look at the life of Peter. Because when it came to the cross, Peter was at a crossroads too. My first point for you guys tonight is turn right and deny him. You see, when you get to the crossroads, you can turn right and deny Jesus. That's what some people decide to do. Let's go to the book of, of John. Let's go to John chapter 18. Did y'all bring real Bibles with you, like paper Bibles? You know what I'm talking about? I always preach to my students in Boston with a real Bible because, you know, when you got them up on the screen, then you don't have to bring a notebook. You don't, you don't have to bring a Bible. You don't have to bring anything to church. So... I like having a real Bible because that's what we're going to look at together. We're going to open the Word. We're going to study it. John 18. John 18, you know, Jesus, he's been arrested. And he's on trial. John 18, verse 15. Let's look at Simon Peter. So Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. And he replied, I am not. It's awesome to, to read in his letter how he says we are following Jesus' steps. That's why he died. Boy, he was a long way from there right here. Yeah. Verse 18, it was cold. And the servants and the officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Look down at verse 25. It says, meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He did not say, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Didn't you cut off my cousin's ear, essentially? And Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Check out this verse. Look on the screen here. In Luke 22, it gives us another little detail. It says, then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. 
And Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. You know, Peter, he gets his story in the scriptures. And he's the example we read about. But what about your story? Do we not deny Jesus every single day? Yet, I don't know, maybe we don't think God sees us the way that Jesus looked straight at people right here. The way he looked at Peter. You ever been just caught before? You ever just been caught red-handed, just been found out? I remember when I was in high school, I first, I first started deciding I wanted to study the Bible when I was very, you know, like a teenager in high school. And, and uh, there's this guy who said he would study the Bible. His name's Mark Perez. And he was so cool. He was just... I mean, he just had the coolest hair and everything, and I love, I, I, I just, he played the electric guitar, I thought this guy was the man, you know, and, and, and we would do Bible studies once a week together, and I was just beginning, I was just learning, right, and, and, I, and I remember one of the other things I was really into back then was, uh, I was like probably 12, 13 years old, I was really into the Backstreet Boys back then. <laughs> you guys know who the Backstreet Boys are? Let's go! Let's go! And, uh, you know, I, I went even as far as I went to the hair salon with the CD cover. And I said, hey, you see this guy's hair? I want frost tips just like this guy right here. Right? So one day I put the CD on and, and no one's home. Nobody's home. I'm home by myself. And I put the CD on in the kitchen. I'm making some food after school. And I just got it in me. You know, I was, I was thinking of TRL and the music videos from the Backstreet Boys I had seen. And I started getting down, you know? You know what I'm talking about? I started getting down. And, and I was a nerd. I was such a loser, guys. I was a nerd back then. But you know the nerds like Napoleon Dynamite who start dancing and they're like mad good? That was not me! I started getting down, but I was all alone. It didn't matter. And I'm dancing in the kitchen, getting all the moves going. And I do one move. And I turn towards the kitchen door, and this guy, Mark Perez, is standing at the window looking at me. He was just peering through the window, and I was like, I, I remember freezing. And there was a very long, you know, and, and Backstreet Back is going on in the background, and I'm like, frozen. You know, he looks at me and just says, dude, don't let me stop you, man. Go right on ahead. You know it's hard about getting caught, right? You don't think anybody sees you. Truth be told, God sees you. And we know it. But sometimes I think Satan makes us forget. Truth be told, you're totally caught. In the seat you're sitting in right now, you're totally caught. God sees you. Just like Peter. When we sin, when we deny Jesus, he looks straight at us. He sees us. You want to know how tricky Satan is? Many of us are in denial about the fact that we deny Jesus. That's like a, a riddle for you right there, but that's how tricky Satan is. Many of us are in denial that we deny Jesus. You go, what do you mean deny Jesus? I would never do this. I don't do this, I'm a Christian. Jesse, I'm, I'm at this retreat right now. I'm not denying Jesus. No, I'm denying myself. I'm here. <laughs> you don't even realize it. Every single day when we sin, Every time you think you're alone, and you watch pornography, and we deny Jesus, and he looks straight at us, and he sees it. 
Every time you're on campus and you go to a party, you know what the Bible describes that as? In James, it says, friendship with the world is hatred towards God. When we decide to be friends with the world, when we're on campus and we go to parties, and no one else from your church is there, no one, no one sees you doing it, maybe the party starts going on in your floor, your room, and you just stop by. We deny Jesus, and he looks straight at us. Every time you don't confess your sin, every time you sin and you show up to church and somebody asks you what's going on, and you don't talk about it, every time you do that, you deny Jesus and he sees right through you. He sees every secret. Every time you mess around with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, every time you skip a quiet time, every lustful look, it is a big deal. Because we deny Jesus. And he's looking right at us and he sees it all. You know, you can't call yourself a Christian and still be living in these kinds of sins right here. It doesn't work like that. Right. And I don't even have to know who you are to say that. Yeah. I know I don't know any of you, most of you, but I don't need to know you because you know who you are. You know your secrets, and you know the sin that's going on in your life, and now you gotta know that God knows it too, and you're not fooling anyone. Right. He knows. I remember going and, and caused all the campus events. I went to all the church stuff, and for the most part, I read my Bible a lot, I tried to, you know, but I had some secret, hidden impurity sin and stuff with girls going on in my life. I remember this guy named Rick McCartney. I call him the bloodhound of sin now. He, he sniffed me out. He called me up one day when I was a freshman, and he started talking about what was going on, and I said things like, yeah, you know, things are going, they're going better. They're going better. And he saw the smoke screen that that was, Right, trying to throw him off my trail. But he sniffed it on out. He started asking me more questions and more questions and more questions until I came clean and I finally got open to what was really going on in my life. You know, I was, I was hiding. I was running. I was denying Jesus. But you can't be in denial about that. You've got to understand that God sees who you are. You see, when you're at a crossroads in your faith, you can't keep doing that. You can't, you can't turn to the right and do what Peter is struggling with right here and start denying Jesus. You got to realize that puts you at a bad place spiritually. That puts you at a, at a bad place in your relationship with God. You know, Jesus didn't just die on the cross so that your response would be to identify as a Christian. He didn't do it so that you could come here and sit at church. He didn't do it for any of that kind of stuff. He did it so that we would radically change our lives and turn our lives upside down and start living for him. That's what this verse tells us right here. You know, when faced with the cross, it just doesn't cut it to deny Jesus because he's looking straight at us and he sees us. Point number two today. Turn left and go back to the world. You know, at the crossroads, some others of us, we might... We might be turning left and going, all right, what am I going to do in my response to Jesus, to studying the Bible? And we might turn down the road that leads back to our old lives, back to the world. Let's keep reading in John, John 21. Turn back and go to the world. Maybe, maybe already this weekend you're feeling that. I remember we had a campus retreat in, in Boston one year. 
And this girl was, was so overwhelmed and, and she was like, man, I don't know if I'm ready for all this. She literally started hitchhiking her way home to Boston. We never heard her saw from her again. You know? Don't, don't let your response this weekend be to turn back to the world. John 21. You guys weren't ready for that story right there. I caught you guys off guard with that one right there. I don't know, I just heard about it. I was like, what happened to that girl? Oh, she hitchhiked home to Boston. Oh, okay. John 21, let's look at verse 1. You know, Peter, he's still not, he's still not right with God yet. He's still at the crossroads. And it says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And he said, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And what do we see Peter doing here when he's wrestling with God? He goes, guys, I, I'm just going back. I'm just going to go be a fisherman again. He wasn't out proclaiming Jesus. He'd already seen Jesus resurrected at this point, but he wasn't going out talking about it. He wasn't going out preaching the word. He was going back fishing. Verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. This was a familiar story to them. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net of full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. Then they landed and saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net to shore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. He was at a crossroads. It took multiple encounters with Jesus for him to figure it out. You know, we find them back fishing. Who knows how long it had been since Peter had been out fishing, since they'd done that. But he goes back to his old, comfortable life. He goes back to the way things used to be. You know, I, I, Tom, Tom McGurk, that, we, we, home is, is the same place for us, Boston. You know, and, and when Tom comes back to Boston, He's got all his old buddies there waiting for him. And, and I, got, I got a lot of Tom McGurk stories for you guys. I mean, that's just the way it is right there. Tom. Growing up with somebody, being in college. And, but I want to honor Tom because he's a hero of mine. So I'll just keep it to one a day this weekend. How about that, you know? Yeah. But I remember, you know, you guys, you guys know Tom, right? Did any of you know his little brother, Tim McGurk? Yeah. He's got a little brother who's a few years younger than him. I remember one day in Boston, 
We were all, we were all playing dodgeball. You guys ever play dodgeball down here? Bombardment, dodgeball. We were playing dodgeball. And we used to go to this outdoor uh, hockey rink, and we'd play dodgeball in it. And, and one day, me and, and one of my other friends, Mike, we were the captains picking teams. You know how picking teams goes, right? In dodgeball, that's like classic right there. So, so we're picking teams, and at this point in Tom's life, you know, if he didn't get picked first, maybe second, maybe third, he would be pretty offended in dodgeball. You know, he viewed himself as, uh, as the premier athlete in our group of friends. And so my friend Mike and I, we came up with a plan that we weren't going to pick Tom. You know, so we're going by, we're like, all right, I'll pick this guy. I'll pick that guy. I'll pick that guy. And as we go, you can see Tom leaning up against the fence, getting visibly annoyed and more. With each person, he gets more and more and more annoyed. He's rolling his eyes. You know, he's shaking his head. He's getting so mad. You know, and it gets down to just a few guys. You got Tom, you got his little brother Tim, maybe one other guy there. And, and so I finally go, all right, all right, all right, all right, McGurk, come on, come on, you're on my team. And Tom slinks off the fence, walking over to me, and I went, no, 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 the, the other McGurk, the other one, Tim. <laughs> and Tom straight up left and took the train home right there. He just left. He was so mad, he just left. You know, he had one of those, he had one of those, I'm gonna take my ball and go home moments right there. At the age of 20, he had one of those moments. But hey, hey, truth be told, even in our 20s, we get discouraged at times, right? When things look tough, more feeling faithless, we take our ball, and we can go back to our old lives. We can go back to what's comfortable. We turn to our grades, I'm just going to get good grades. I know that's going well for me. I feel discouraged in my walk with God. I feel discouraged by what the Bible's telling me. I'm, I'm, I'm walking away from that right there. I'm just going to get, I'm, I'm going to be the best student I can be. And we turn away. We turn to that instead. You know, I think we can turn to beauty. Turn to our looks. You know, if I just get this haircut, if I just get these clothes right here, if I work out like this and I die, and if I just get myself to look this way, then I'll be happy. We turn to the world for fulfillment. You know, beware. Beware of Instagram and social media. Seriously. People portray themselves in such a way on social media. You know, you get, you get the light just how you want it. You get your angle just how you like it. You get the caption just you know, trendy enough and funny enough and perfect enough and, and, and you get the right filter and the whole thing and you get this picturesque perfect of what somebody's life is but it's not real. God doesn't care about it. He doesn't look at Instagram. You know, maybe, maybe you turn back to the world and maybe what you turn to is a relationship. You know, God, he made us relational creatures. We, 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 we love having relationships with people and having that kind of intimacy with people. Yeah. And so sometimes relationships can fill that void over God. Instead of choosing Jesus' path, we think that this relationship is going to fulfill me and satisfy me. You know, for Peter, it was fishing. It was his job. Whatever he was before Jesus called him to be a disciple, they went back to that. Maybe it was all he knew. Maybe he had totally given up and decided to just pick up where he left off. Maybe he felt the pressure to figure life out. 
and he caved and he just went back. But you know, Jesus was there, right? To restore his faith. Jesus was there. And if we're going to go back to campus on Sunday and be in the world but not of the world, I think our faith has got to get restored this weekend. I don't know exactly where you're at in your faith coming in, but when you go home, you got to take the time this weekend to get restored in your faith. You got, you got to encounter Jesus like this this weekend. Because we all feel it. We all want to go back. We all feel the pressure on campus to go back, to turn to the world instead of Jesus because the scriptures are hard. You've got to get an encounter with Jesus this weekend in prayer, in Bible study. I hope you take the time to go be alone with God, some extended time with God. You know, whether it's good grades, good looks, a good relationship, all of these things will run out on you at some point. You gotta build your life on the rock. You gotta build your life on Jesus and take his path. Where is his path? Which way do we take to follow Jesus? Not the right, not the left. Point number three go straight forward and follow Jesus. I hope you walk away this weekend figuring that out. Let's keep reading in John 21. Let's look at what happens next. Jesus says to Peter, you got to go straight forward and follow me. Verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. I love that Jesus ends with that right there. One of the first things Jesus ever said to Peter, and he reminds him of it here at the end. It's one of the last things Peter ever sees as Jesus looks into his eyes. Follow me. What a cool moment he got to have with Jesus right here. Yeah. You see, Peter is at the crossroads after the crucifixion. And he turns to the right, he turns to the left, but then he takes him aside. And he says, you got to go straight ahead, Peter. you got to follow me. And he also tells him, it's interesting, he says, when you're old, Peter, somebody else is going to take you by the hand and lead you where you don't want to go. And he was telling Peter that when when you're old, you're going to be crucified, just like me. And we know from history, it's not in the scriptures, but we know from church history that Peter was crucified. And the story goes that he was crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy enough to be crucified like Jesus. History tells us that 
His wife, they threatened, we're going to crucify your wife. And history tells us that she told him, Peter, remember the Lord. That's where we get that song from. In Upside Down. His wife was killed in front of him, and, and then Peter was crucified upside down. But Jesus told him that right here. Isn't that funny that we're talking about what our response has got to be to the cross? And that following in his steps, when Peter said that, that Jesus died, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps, how serious was that for Peter? How legit, how real was that for Peter? Standing at the crossroads, trying to figure out what path he was going to take. He had to swallow the fact that when he was old, he was going to be crucified just like Jesus. That flat out inspires me. There's only one choice to make this weekend. Go straight ahead and follow Jesus to our own crosses. You know, at the school that Tom went to, Boston University, there was a guy a few years ago named Max Secor. And Max was, was uh, converted and baptized at Boston University. And this guy, I mean, as a freshman, he looked like a mad scientist. The dude had long, curly blonde hair, just long, you know, like a crazy mad scientist. And he wore pajama pants, like, all the time. You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. You know the guy. You can picture it. And, and in four years at Boston University, he got a master's degree in four years. He went in the summertime, and he got his master's in physical chemistry. Right? He was a smart guy. And when he graduated a couple years ago, there was a video that he posted of his graduation. And everybody's going up on stage, look, you know, they're talking to the president of the college, they shake hands, and there's a little bio that gets read about them. You wonder, I wonder what the bio that would be read about me would be as a senior in college, moving on out of here. And it said, Max, he was a, um, he got, he's finishing with his master's degree in four years in physical chemistry. And they go on, they say, you know, he studied and did an internship with this professor in this laboratory. And he did this thing and he did that thing. And all the parents are there in the crowd and every child who goes up, they're just feeling so proud at their worldly accomplishments. And, and then, it, then the tone changes in, in his bio. Then the person reads, you know, Max is standing there shaking hands the whole time with the president of the college. And, and everybody's, you know, clapping for him. And, and, and then, then the person reads, while a, while a student at Boston University... Max led Bible discussions for the Boston Church of Christ. And things went totally silent. And they go on to say, you know, when he served as an intern for the Boston Church of Christ. And when, when Max graduates, what's he going to do? When Max graduates, he's going to be moving to Kiev, Ukraine. Well, this was in the middle of the Civil War when this was going on. To do what? To work in some laboratory or some biotech company and... To be a campus minister for the Kiev Church of Christ. And you can hear a pin drop in the room. It was awkward watching the video. And his family, they're, they're not Christians. They never liked that he wanted to become a Christian. And, you know, and then Max, he takes out his phone and he takes a selfie with the president of the college. <laughs> and the whole crowd erupted in laughter. It was like an awesome save in that moment right there, you know? You know, it was a long and awkward silence. Why? Why was it so weird? Because people in our world are living lives where they deny Jesus and they just simply live for this world. And when they see someone who's running straight ahead in Jesus' footsteps, they have no idea what to do. 
when they see what it actually looks like. You know, Max is now being trained by Sean Wooten, who's a, a preacher out in, in, in Kiev that some of you have, might have heard preach at times. And Max, he, he learned Russian in like three months. I know. And now, now he, he helps lead a campus ministry out there, like 100 students in Kiev, Ukraine. And he's a hero. You know, I Skyped him, and I Skyped him one day, and he showed me his apartment. And, and he just got married to a girl over there, and he showed me their apartment. And it was this one-room apartment, maybe the size of the stage. And I just felt like, wow. This guy could be doing anything. This guy could be making so much money. This guy is impressive. And he had an internship. <laughs> this is hilarious. He had an internship in college as a student with some laboratory. And I remember we were talking about it one day, and he was making more money as, as a student, you know, at this internship than I was as a campus minister for the church, you know? I'm like, man, this guy, he could be doing anything he wants. He's following Jesus' footsteps. Man, I just hope this weekend that God transforms you. Maybe you feel like, I could never do something like that. Yes, you can. You can follow in Jesus' footsteps. You can do it. The thing that's hard is just making the choice to jump and to go for it and to take the road that's straight ahead of you. You got to choose the road less traveled. I want to end with a poem. A famous poem by Robert Frost called The Road Not Taken. It says, two roads diverge in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler long I stood and looked down as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair. And having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Amen? Amen. Amen, brothers. Give it up again for Jesse.